In the 20 plus years of helping people plan for the cost of retirement and long-term health care, we've identified one consistent theme among families and caregivers. People don't like to talk about money. Life care affordability planning helps families who are facing long-term health issues and increasing health-related expenditures to make better informed financial decisions during a time when there are so many unanswered questions. It's time to face this topic head-on, address the emotional charge of discussing money, and discover practical ways to bridge the gap between a long-term health care plan and your ability to pay for it. Hello and welcome to Life Care Affordability Planning with Tom West and Arvet Reed from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. Today we're going to be talking about something that's extremely important. I mean, we do that every time, but most people don't understand the type of financial advice they may receive during a life care affordability plan. Tom, can you kind of tell us why that statement is so powerful? Well, I think the statement is powerful, particularly for families that haven't had experience working with financial advisors, is is they don't know exactly what the what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. I think that there's an idea that maybe we're going to be talking about taxes or individual stocks and bonds, and and they don't quite understand what the deliverable might be. Like after, you know, Tom and Arvette, we talk about decision making, and we talk about what a plan of care might look like, what what are we actually going to be getting in the form of prescriptions and recommendations? And what are some of the examples that our life care affordability plan really comes up with? So what our vet and I sort of designed today for our conversation is to give you some good examples and practical examples of some of the recommendations that we've been giving families mm-hmm. um, so that they, the, our audience knows, practically speaking, what that might look like. And in the event that life care affordability plans might be right from them, um, we're going to be going through it. Sometimes the real specific questions about what do I do with this, you know, this annuity or what do I do with this particular CD or something like mm-hmm. that. And we'll give examples real practically speaking about the, the, the nuts and bolts of the, some of the more specific recommendations. Yeah. And I think for me, what's important about today's podcast is I was the person two years ago before I joined the firm that had absolutely no idea what a person would expect coming to a financial advisor. Like Mm -hmm. most people think stocks, bonds, trade, not trade, whatever. But now that I've been here and we've been going through the life care affordability plan and I've seen the financial recommendations that we've given to clients, it's way more than that. But so many people who don't have experience with financial advisors, they have no idea. So I'm really excited about today and sharing with the listeners some of the things that actually happen behind the curtains, per se, Mm -hmm. in the financial world. Right. So let's remember, at its core, what Life Care Affordability Plan really is, is mapping out all of the different care scenarios that we have people from the senior housing or the healthcare industry sort of driving what type of therapeutic and clinical recommendations are going to be most appropriate for our clients. And then we map out financial strategies to give the family the best ability to pay for those particular Mm -hmm. clinical or therapeutic plans of care. Mm -hmm. So the basis of all good financial planning is making projections and looking at scenarios and hypotheticals. But once you do that and you look at, well, it could go this way or that way or this way or that way, what are the action items? What are, some of right. the, what are some of the end recommendations? So I'd like to start at least, a, you know, first off with, with a few definitions. 
One can, of the can, things before that we, we get started, yes, before you start those definitions, can I actually tell you a quick story? Yeah. You may. <laughs> I mean, here, here's the thing. I wanted to tell you this because I, I, I want you to know how much I appreciate what you guys do and what life care affordability planning does and, and the guests that you've had on where their heart is and what they've done uh, for the community and, and for the, the folks that they work with. Just this weekend, I was, I was at my parents' house and they live in a very, very small town. And we went over to talk to his neighbor and, and he's got a little trailer that's behind his house. It's a three bedroom trailer. Nice guy. Uh, but the gentleman that was living there just was moved into a nursing home mm-hmm. of some kind of a, a, a facility. And he, all he has is Medicaid. Uh, there, there was no planning. He made no active plans. He, I don't know what his family situation is, whether he has family, they can't take care of him mm-hmm. or they can't help him. But I, there was this moment where I was in the trailer and I was, I was looking, the, the gentleman's much older um, that owns it. And so I'm going to help him, you know, do a, a few refurbs to it and, and do some things that need to be done to it now that that gentleman is uh, the other gentleman's out. Um, but that guy's stuff is still there mm-hmm. and he's promised to take care of it and he's promised to put it into storage, certain things. But the saddest moment was when he, he was telling me about this lamp. His, his name's Larry. Larry was telling me about this lamp. It's a parrot lamp, beautiful, ornate. Uh, it's not huge. It's a desktop lamp or a, a table stand lamp, I, I guess you would call it. Um, it just sits on a table. But he's the, the guy that was moved out of there into nursing care can't take it with him. Um, his mom gave it to him, and oh. it's very sentimental to him. But he doesn't have the room because he has to share a room with another person mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. And that's heartbreaking to me. I'm like, you can't even – you don't even have the ability to take your own lamp, just a lamp. Yeah. Um, because he's sharing a room with somebody else because there was no planning done. And so I just want to tell you in working with you guys for these past months and and listening to what you talk about, incredibly important stuff. And I don't know what his overall situation is, but that's something that I don't don't think anybody wants to face is that they can't even have certain sentimental items with them because they have to share a room with somebody else for the rest of their days, however many that is. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. When when I hear stories like that, I, I always try to, categorize them. My first response, other than being empathetic and, you know, appreciating your emotional response, Eric, to this, the first thing I always try to do is sort the stories among all of the different stories that I've heard. And and I guess I would characterize for the audience, I think that there's good to be, there's, there's a growing portion of the American senior population that is probably not going to be able to be really helped out by the concepts that we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. That, that mm-hmm. There, there isn't sufficient wealth that the application of some of these strategies is really going to make much of a difference. Like we know you know, there's more and more media coming out every day. I think I read a study this week that, you know, 50% of American seniors aren't going to be able to afford where they live. And it's, it's, it's a national crisis, a social crisis, the rest of it. And the other end of the spectrum, you've got a portion of the population that has plenty of money and plenty of means. Mm -hmm. And some of the concepts that we talk about absolutely can make decisions more efficient, that Mm -hmm. can make, you know, decisions more functional in a family by taking the right approaches to things. And we're happy that that our concepts with life care affordability plan can be impactful for those with quite a bit of means. But what I think, what what strikes me about your story, Eric, is the people in the middle. Mm -hmm. The people in the middle that the application of some of these strategies might be the difference. Yep. 
between being able to self-direct and have more agency and impact on your future, Mm -hmm. regardless of health, and folks that absent some of these pieces of advice and perspectives might be tripping themselves into a scenario where you can't bring a parrot lamp. And, you know, I think that I'm constantly motivated by those folks in the middle. You know, I think that, that we serve, I mean, I'm a partner in a big wealth management firm. You know, we serve plenty of our clients very well that, that from all measures would be considered affluent. What really sort of keeps me motivated are those folks that you're able to look back. And I'll even talk about some of those in stories today where I'm sure that the right knowledge and the right advice to the right people at the right time makes the difference with how these outcomes go. Yep. And a lot of this mm-hmm. LCAP and a lot of these, these podcasts that we're building at, you know, it's those middle people that are the real target. You know, the, the affluent yeah. are going to be able to find us or other appropriate solutions just because they have means and they have resources. It's those folks in the middle mm-hmm. that we're most hopeful and proactive to be able to impact. And I think it's really important when I talk to clients and families, when we're going through some of these things that we're going to talk about today, I use the fork in the road. I tell families, like, you're going to get to a fork in the road when you're going to have to go left or right. And our goal is to give you information ahead of time so when you get there, you know what direction to do. Because if you come to us after the fact and you went right, you can't back up and go left. You've, you've yeah, already absolutely. missed that opportunity. And that might have made the difference right. in the Larrys of the world. Yeah, and time only goes one way. way. And I think that that metaphor of you can't back up and there's no reduce. Right. It, like if, if people get themselves down a particular path financially, the, the metaphor with health is exactly right. There is some points of no return in terms of, you know, ability to change outcomes. Yep. So, no, thanks. That's that's a good framing on things. Yeah. And, I, and I think that, that you know, we'll, 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 we'll dedicate at least a little bit of our time today to those families that are sort of in the middle. Middle. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of what we try to do is exhaust every possible avenue before going directly at trying to get somebody qualified for Medicaid. Right. I, I'm, I'm a yeah. little circumspect about advice for seniors that, you know, all paths lead to Medicaid planning. Yeah, no. When, when maybe there's some options that you want to explore where you can do maybe a little bit better instead of sort of greasing the slide to asset conservation or Medicaid or maximizing a legacy at the expense of quality care, like those sorts of things, they, they don't, they don't, they're not, they don't resonate with me when we built this out. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah. so yep. I, Tom, I think we should start from the basics, right? Like mm-hmm. cash. Mm-hmm. What do you, what does cash actually mean? Right. Well, in, in the financial services industry, when you get into recommendations, we're talking about cash. It's a euphemism that basically means money that's easy to get a hold of, that's liquid, that you don't have to, you know, pay anything to get your hands on it. Um, there aren't any tax implications typically with a lot of cash, and it, and it's a place that you you it's a it's a it's a term that really encompasses checking accounts, savings accounts, money market accounts, like bank deposits, like CDs, credit union shares, all of that stuff. But when we're talking about cash, um, that's generally speaking what we mean. And so when the the idea of consolidating your cash, like what does that mean? Because it sounds a little scary Mm. to people who are hearing that for the first time, especially if after all the Bernie Madoffs and all the negative implications of putting your money in one place, Mm. giving it to one person. Right. 
Well, let's talk a little bit about, about, because you have two things in there. Like, what are some typical recommendations that we make for families about cash? And then let's talk a little bit about simplification and consolidation and whatnot. So the first thing is, is what is it that we're trying to do? Mm -hmm. We're trying to give the family the highest probability of making decisions and paying for a path of care that's in their best interest. So you need to know, you know, if I got to write the check where it's coming from. So the first thing that we try to do is we try to figure out, well, how much cash do we need to have on hand? Mm -hmm. And what I like to do is a good rule of thumb. I like to know at least six to 12 months in advance where exactly, what, what, what account, what pocket, mm-hmm. what bucket of money a particular check is going to be written out of. So we're never having to scramble and sell something at the last minute or put something on credit just because we, we didn't we didn't plan ahead for it. I mean, mm-hmm. part of planning is knowing in advance what we're going to be doing. So I think one recommendation that we see a lot of is depending on all the different paths of care, making sure that we're appropriately liquid, that we've got enough money to know where we're going to be paying the checks out of in advance. Mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit about consolidation. Consolidation is, I, I prefer to think of it as simplification. Okay. So so we want to make financial decisions for families when you're going down the fork in the road and the rest of it, we want to make them as easy as possible. And sometimes it's challenging when you have money and cash in four or five different places. You know, if you've got, I got this bank and this credit union and a checking account that I had with an ex-wife, and then I got this one, but it's titled with my kid, you know, and sometimes those extra levels of complication, because you have cash in different places and different institutions, they might interrupt what would otherwise be an easier plan of where am I going to write the check for $5,000 four months from now? Yeah, but we were all taught to spread our money around. That's a good idea. I mean, and and that's appropriate. Part of what you want to do is there's a balance between simplification Mm -hmm. versus diversification. And different clients, I think from a fiduciary standpoint, we have to approach it differently. There's a point where, you know, if you have, and I'm going to exaggerate to make my point, if you have $100, you don't want to put $10 in 10 different banks. Mm -hmm, mm Because I mean, like, okay, yeah, you don't want to put it all in one place. But what is the benefit that you get from diversifying? And typically, it's it's a risk issue. And then what is the benefit that you get from simplification or maybe combining some different accounts? And that has more to do with ease of use. So there's typically a balance, and a lot of it is going to depend on what the job of the money really is. How much do you need to come up with when? Mm-hmm. Then you define what that is. And then you look at the universe of all of the different places that accounts are right now. And sometimes it makes sense because of diversification to keep money in different places. But sometimes it makes sense, like maybe some of these different accounts, they're not serving you as well as they could be because they're hard to get a hold of. You don't get statements regularly. I never go to that bank. I never talk to that investment advisor. Sometimes it makes sense to simplify just because it makes it easier to use. So does that concept, we've talked about cash, but it, that seems like that concept also works when you're talking about investments. Yeah, no, thank you for investments. So let's think of investments what are the priorities that families have with investments when we're thinking about life care affordability planning? Well, typically, it's how do we maintain a standard of living that we've become accustomed to and have some extra income to be able to pay 
for care when we're not exactly sure how long somebody's going to live and we're not exactly sure if that that cost of care is going to change. So is investment stock, bonds, IRAs, like is that investment? Yes, yes. Okay. Investments, 401ks? Yes. Investments, generally speaking, have to do with money that is put aside for use sometime in the future. It's something different than cash because usually when you're talking about investments, you're talking about stuff that has a higher likelihood of going up and down mm-hmm. based on market conditions. And it's also typically understood that it's not super liquid all the time. Right. You can't always get a hold of it and not pay a penalty or not pay taxes or not pay capital gains taxes or not income taxes if you're right. pulling it out of an IRA or whatnot. So the whole concept with investments is getting at the money in order to spend it is usually a little bit hairier. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking of simplifying, you always want to start with exactly how much money do I need to come up with when? Mm -hmm. And you let that dog wag the tail of how a portfolio is constructed, what kind of risk you're taking. And then to your point, does it make sense to have my investments in a whole bunch of different places or does it make sense to have them more consolidated and in one place where it's a little bit easier to manage? I've, a, I've got a story with, with one client that had uh, accounts in two or three different investment houses mm-hmm. and it made total sense for them to keep the money exactly where it was because we were able to determine that the most appropriate place for them to be coming up with investment income that could support their liquid reserves was just from one account. There wasn't a necessity to simplify and consolidate because, you know, this money is kind of long-term money for a trust. This money is, you know, just to pay off the second house if I don't need it. And we're really able to do it all out of one place. So for some clients, it doesn't make sense to aggregate and put it all in one place. Yeah. On the other side, we had a client uh, recently whose husband was ill Mm-hmm. And he died, and she, they had, I think, nine different accounts that she was trying to get her arms around. And it was very difficult because by the time she came to us, he was very sick yeah. and couldn't really participate in that helping of simplifying and getting information. And I just remember the look on her face of trying to communicate with all these people and figure out what they had. It was right. just a lot. So if that was an example, if we had, talked to her four years ago or two years ago, right? we would have been able to give her a little bit of advice, but we couldn't, we, we couldn't get her to back up and change that decision, yeah, right? I think that's right. I think the other piece too, then whenever we're talking about simplification with investments or different accounts or whatnot, it's always useful to point out that sooner or later, somebody's going to have to liquidate this account that's yeah. it's like accounts are not don't exist in perpetuity. If somebody dies, then you've got an executor or a trustee that's got to change all the account stuff anyway. So there's a little bit of do you want to do it now when you're repurposing a lot of the priorities of your money and you're mm-hmm. aligning your investment goals to something that's going to be a little bit more dependent on projections of care versus, you know, that that that's probably the best way to look at it. So when I think of, I was just talking to a client the other day, or and we were talking about IRAs and which are now our investments, and he was really concerned about the fact that he was going to have to pay high taxes if we gave him any recommendations about the IRA. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a bit about taxes because most people say yes, I have money, but it's all locked up. We can't touch it. I can't do anything with it. 
to help with my care because right. I'm going to have to pay high taxes. Well, thank you. So taxes are one of the areas that I think that our life care affordability plan gets very specific on. In the same way that we'll give recommendations on, on investment accounts and all the way down to individual securities, whether to keep them or not keep them, I think that the tax planning is hugely important. So a few things to remember, and then I'll address the, the IRAs and the taxes directly. It still remains the case for tax year 2019 that all the overwhelming majority of these long-term care expenses that we're talking about mm -hmm. are considered itemized medical expense deductions on Schedule A. And you know you, they did change, remember, the standard deduction in 2017. But one of the implications of that is as long as you're spending more than the standard deduction, $25,000, $30,000, whatever that ends up being, you're going to be able to get big tax deductions on the amount of money that you spend in care. And home care and assisted living is way more than $25,000. Right, right. So one of the things that we anticipate is if you're spending fifty, dollars $100,000 a year in the cost of care, part of what the Life Care Affordability Plan does is anticipate a relatively significant deduction associated with those expenses. And then we figure out, back to your, 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 your client's question, how does that affect money that I'm taking out of an IRA? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it would wipe out the taxes that you would otherwise owe from a distribution from an IRA. That's part of what we plot out. Sometimes, counterintuitively, it might make sense to, on purpose, take more money out of an IRA than your required minimum distribution that you're supposed to, because the amount of the deductions that you get, because it's a healthcare cost, would offset the income taxes that you would otherwise have to pay. So let's remember how your client phrased the question. This is long-term money. I don't want to use it because I have to pay taxes, taxes on it when I come out. Let's remember that when we're in a period of care, the rules of money change. Mm -hmm. the, the job of the money has changed and the rules associated with the money change. What we've built with life care affordability planning is specifically designed to make sure that we account for the new job of the money and we also apply the new rules. Yeah. And that one of those rules is a lot of these expenses might be deductible and you might have never in your life ever had uh, an itemized medical expense deduction because it never got past a threshold or a standard deduction. New rules sometimes Perfect. apply. And I like, we sometimes talk about unlocking the money because people think about IRAs and 401ks and all of that where their money is locked away and they can't access it. But through the life care affordability planning process, part of our role is to figure out how to unlock that money for them so they can use it for the plan of care. Right. And let's remember yeah. that, that, that long-term care costs, it's an income problem. Right. It's not an asset yeah. problem. And if you can figure out a way to get the income to support those expenses without having to pay taxes on it, that's one of the most practical, you know, bottom line. If I didn't, if I didn't take these recommendations from the LCAP, I would be in a worse financial situation. situation. You know, taxes not paid, that's a pretty easy benefit to be able to see. Yeah. And that's part of the deliverable that we come up with when we're, you know, coming when we're looking at all of the financial side of things. There's one other thing that I wanted to mention about taxes. In 2010, with the Pension Protection Act, um, most investors and many advisors don't know that the taxation on different kinds of annuity contracts changed. It now allows for annuities um, that are designed a certain way 
to actually be able to pull out the tax-free cost basis for long-term care expenses if the annuity is set up a certain way. So a lot of times clients have annuities. We don't, we don't think positively or negatively about annuities. Sometimes I think they're oversold. But if clients have annuities in their portfolio, let's think of the, the, the way that we're considering life care affordability planning again. The job of the money has changed and the rules about the money have changed. What's the best way to use this oddball annuity that I've got? Well, maybe better tax planning is the place to start. And maybe we assign that the job of being able to provide some particular income at a particular point in time. Those are the kinds of things that are often specific recommendations coming out of our, our, our planning. Yeah. And those are things that are way over the head of most of the people that we're dealing with in the middle of a healthcare situation. Like, that is a great example of where a financial professional is going to be able to visualize and put some strategy in place that you're just not going to think of every day. Yeah. I, it, and, and, you know, I think that it, it's also true. Most folks in the financial services don't have the sensitivity with the annuities to begin with. Most of the, the 99.9% of annuities out there aren't built to be able to get tax-favored treatment when they're getting spent on long-term care just because they don't know. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's an easy one to maybe be able to tweak and to fix a little bit. Yeah, and then there's one more tax thing that um, has come up too. About talk about the deduction thing, changing your deductions. Oh, thank you. Um, you're you're talking about deductions on on income that you're getting. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if I think about it, like when you have a kid, when you have you, you know, but oh no, that's so that's a really good point. So if a family is thinking that they're going to be paying a certain amount of expenses and long-term care, and it's so much that they probably aren't going to be owing any income tax at all. Right. If you're paying for an assisted living. Right. You're probably not going to be owing anything, but you probably need to go back and adjust your withholding. Yeah. If you don't owe any taxes, why are you withholding for taxes? I just thought, I just remember the first time I heard you guys say that, and I just looked at the client, the client looked at me like, yeah, duh, but no one's ever told anybody that. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> and this is an income thing. If if you're withholding 20% of your pension or social security for taxes that you don't owe, like how about you stop doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And you just get your whole pension instead of your part pension. And you know, you you, you want to make sure that you do the math pretty accurately, but when families are scrambling to find money, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to wait for a refund next April. Maybe I I want a little bit of my money right now. Yeah. Um, but that's a great point. And that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty predictable recommendation that we get. All right. So I think we've done, uh, you know, we've really looked at taxes really in, in, in depth. And thank you for that. But these are the types of things that coming into the firm, I just didn't understand. And coming from the 15 years of senior housing and healthcare, nobody talked about this stuff with families who had to pay for the services that I was providing or that I was trying to get them to, you know, to utilize. So I think this is really helpful for the everyday listener out there to get a better understanding of the type of stuff that we as a firm or that financial professionals might bring up and might talk about. Right. And I'll I'll sort of close on this thought. I think that the well-built life care affordability plan is to fully imagine with our clients what are the outcomes that they're most hopeful for mm-hmm. and what are the outcomes that are unfortunately realistic that we have to plan for and make sure that clients have good visibility on that yep. as step one. Step two, how do we support the client to be able to make effective decisions 
all the way through, talking to family members, getting transparency, getting good hierarchies of priorities. And then number three, brass tacks, what we talked about today, what am I actually doing, doing. with these, these different piles of money that haven't been potentially repurposed for the new job of money that unfortunately for many families has to follow a bunch of new rules. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's I think, the, the three legs of, of, I think, a well-built life care affordability plan. This has been great. I, I do have a question. Do you guys, by any chance, do you have a list of questions that a family should be asking themselves or kind of the questions that you would be asking them? Do you have a list that they can download or get onto the web and, and, and find so they can kind of know what questions they need to ask? Because I think the, the basis here is you don't know what you don't know. So do you have something like that? Yeah. We do. And, you know, and, and we can we can give you a pretty good sense of what those look like right now. It starts with, do you know what long-term mm-hmm. care is going to cost? Do you know what Medicare, Medicaid are or aren't going to pay? Do you have a plan to pay for the cost of care that you're most hopeful for? And what is it? Do you have a plan to pay for the cost of care that might be something that's more concerning but realistic? And the last piece is, do you have a plan given the cost of care to conserve the priorities that you and your family had before any of this healthcare stuff happened? Those are the five. And we do have that as a standalone piece. So certainly refer back to affordlifecare.com for that and any number of different resources that, that goes right along with the podcasts and the rest of the collateral material that we're supplying there. Thanks for asking. Yeah, perfect. No, that's great. I think that's a great resource for any family. Uh, and then the last piece I would add is, you know, does a family know the true timeline of what they need and when they need it? And I think that's that's something that nobody can really answer. I mean, a mm-hmm. doctor can give you an idea, you know, depending on what the condition is. But Arvet, you lived in that world for so long. And yeah. uh, I, I know it's just, it, it's different for every person, right? I mean, it's, it could be quick, could be a long-term thing, and, and mm-hmm. just never know. So a plan You're is never early. Be. Yeah. You're never early to plan. Yeah. Perfect. It, it, perfect statement. Exactly. So please get on the website, check that out, ask yourself those questions, and then bring these questions to the team uh, because life care affordability planning is, is fantastic at that. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you. you. All right. And thank you all for joining us on the Life Care Affordability Planning Podcast with Tom and Arvet. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tom and Arvet come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Life Care Affordability Planning, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Views and opinions provided herein are those of the individual speakers. All content is informational only and is not intended to be an endorsement or recommendation of any particular investment strategy or other course of action. Consult your tax, legal, and financial professions concerning your specific situation. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through SEIA LLC. Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated is separately owned, and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Life Care Affordability Plan is a marketing name for SEIA. Services related to evaluating the client's health care treatment plan are independent of and not endorsed by Royal Alliance Associates, Inc.